Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 24 of Off the Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for downloading our show today and listening in wherever you're coming from. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, as everybody knows, Tuesday is Team NZ Day here on the podcast. And today we have one of the biggest stars on the New Zealand swim team right now in Pampax and World Championship representative, Ali Gallia. Caught up with Ali via Zoom a few weeks ago and discussed living in the US, training at Kentucky University, being born in Brisbane, her career so far with all the highlights, including the 2018 Pampax and the 2019 World Champs in Guangzhou. Also, we talk about moving to New Zealand and a whole lot more. So get your drinks, get your snacks, settle in, because Ep24 with Ali Gallia starts now. Away they go. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noot's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Phantom Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he's sure he can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Vets in the black hats, and Vets is Mullins. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe's in front. Joining me today on the show is a backstroker from across the ditch in New Zealand. She is a member of the New Zealand swim team that is currently making waves in the international scene, which is awesome to see. She's represented New Zealand at Pampax, World Champs. It's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast to Ali Gallia. Ali, how are you going, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you? No, I'm very good. I'm very good. Now, we were just chatting before about training this morning. How did you go? Um, it's, it's definitely been a shift um, since I've uh, come to Auckland. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just trying to get back into shape, so this morning wasn't, wasn't too hard. We did uh, some gym, and then I did some cardio on the, on the bike, and then we just did some tech work in the water. So not, not too hard today. Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday was a different story, but today wasn't that bad. Now, talk to me. I'm interested because you had a bit of a, a, a big change, I guess, um, in the last couple of years. You know, you've started um, competing for, for New Zealand, and then this year now you've, you've moved uh, over to Auckland, as you said. And you had a great, you know, uh, world champs last year, and that would have been, you know, exciting. It would have had you buzzing for this year for Tokyo, and then it all, you know, everything happened as it, as it did. How did you handle that mentally? Um, I think, um, being at Kentucky, so that's where I went to university, um, they had canceled NCAAs, which is like our collegiate championships for division one. Um, uh, I think it was March 12th. And once that ball started rolling, I think that a lot of people got a little bit of a heads up before it actually happened that Tokyo might not go ahead mm. which was honestly again to any athlete is like really devastating I mean like that was my goal I'd I had finished uni I'd graduated and then I was going to go to Tokyo and and see how I could do and and as you said I was really proud of like my performance at world so being able to not back that up this year obviously is is super sad but it was something that needed to be done and I think it gave me the opportunity to come over here which I never um, really planned on until the beginning of the year. Um, so 
yeah, I think it, it was a blessing in disguise for me. I know everyone has another year to prepare, um, which I really needed. So um, I think it was a good thing in the end, obviously not how anyone wanted it to happen, but yeah. yeah. What's life been like over in Auckland since you moved over there? Obviously there was a bit of a shutdown for a period, but you guys are able to get back into it now. So what have you been up to since you've been there and how have you adjusted to the new way of life? Yeah, so I had to um, do a two-week mandatory isolation in a hotel, which was incredibly boring. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's basically whatever you – everyone's always asking, like, what it was like. And I was just like, whatever you think two weeks in a hotel with doing nothing is like, that's about – it's about <laughs> what you got. So um, I got sent some workout gear and um, some kettlebells and yoga mats and stuff. So I did some – as much workout as I could in a hotel room. But um, yeah, once I got out of isolation, it was um, really nice, actually, like the team and everything, the coaches, Swimming New Zealand as a whole, very, very welcoming. Um, it's, I have family over here, so it's not, it's not too big of a shift. Obviously, like leaving my, my parents and my sister was uh, a big decision, I guess, but I got the opportunity to come over here. And I think, I think anyone would jump at it. So yeah, life has been, it's been good so far. Yeah. Back in the pool, was it easier or harder than you thought it would be? Um, it, a little bit of both, I think in different aspects. I think the, the physical, the physical part is easier than I expected. Like thinking I would have four months off. It's yeah. like, well, I'm not going to be able to swim. There's no way. Like <laughs> you get back into it after doing it. I've been swimming for 17 years. So it's, it's definitely something that is natural to a lot of athletes at this level, I think. But um, yeah, I think the mental part was, a, is a little bit tougher for me as a, just as a person in a lot of different ways. Um, having, um, knowing that these are the times that you used to be able to go and, and you can't do that at this moment is it's incredibly frustrating. I get really, I'm really hard on myself. So I get really frustrated with myself um, when I can't hit those times, but yeah, I think it's a little harder mentally, a little easier physically. So hopefully those will collide and it'll all be good in the end. <laughs> now, I mean, doing my research on you, um, obviously I, I worked out that you were born in Australia um, dad's yes. a Kiwi, mom's Canadian, yeah. and you moved to America and you've lived yep. <laughs> over there for you know majority of your life. So let's unpack yep. that for a moment because I got dizzy going through all of that. What are you <laughs> born in Brisbane? How long were you in Australia for? I uh, so we moved to the states in two thousand one. So I was uh, three and a half when when we moved over there. Yeah, yeah. And then so obviously, whereabouts did you move when you went over to America? So, um, we moved to Greenville, South Carolina. So on the Eastern, Eastern side. Um, and we stayed there until I went off to, to uni when I was 18. So basically all my life in South Carolina. Um, yeah. And what drew you to the pool? A lot of listeners, you know, are younger swimmers that are, you know, are listening and they're all, you know, excited about swimming for their own reasons for you when you were younger, what made you want to get involved in swimming? So I, <laughs> it's a funny story, actually. I have a, um, older sister who also swam at Kentucky. Um, and we have a, um, a really big summer league swimming community in our, uh, town where I grew up in South Carolina. And so 
after summer league, they were like, oh, my mom was like, oh, you guys want to go, like, maybe join a, a year-round training squad? And my, my sister was like, yeah, let's do it. So we did, like, the um, placement tests or whatever, where, like, you have the coach that watches you swim and tells you what group you'd best fit into. Yeah. And um, so she was probably six, seven, six, maybe. I was, like, four or five. And – um, obviously anyone that has a sister or a brother, I guess, an older sibling is always, you always want to do what the older sibling does. So yeah. she did her placement, ex- her placement thing. And I was like yelling at my mom. I was like, I want to do it. I want to do it. And the lady that was coaching us was like, I mean, she can get in if she wants. So I got in and she was like, I mean, like she's pretty young, but she can be in this group or whatever. So that's actually how it all started. No one ever thought that it was going to come this far in any sense of the word. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty interesting story, like my whole background and stuff. But, um, I mean, you always just want to do what your, your big, bigger sibling does. So it ended up working out. <laughs> Absolutely. Talk to me about what sort of a swimmer you were though when you're in say junior squads because there's lots of different characters in there as a coach. I know there's always the kids that have to be at the front. There's the kids that are happy to be at the back and they just chat at the back. There's the kids that are super quiet. <laughs> what sort of a swimmer were you when you were younger? I, I was definitely not the quiet one. Still <laughs> not the quiet one now. Um, I think if I had to say I've always been more of more of like a leadership role I've always liked to like take charge in in things that I do um so I would say I like to be at the front of the lane (laughs) um sometimes when I got to when I got to like senior squad and then into uni they made me go first so (laughs) I didn't really have a choice but I think each each individual has a different thing and they all impact the squad in different ways um, I was just always the person that was the loud, obnoxious one that always tried to find the funny things during practice when people were were not having the best of days. So <laughs> definitely like the, the comedian or clown or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that 100% in terms of there just needing to be a variety of, of characters within a squad. I've often said um, those kids that listen really well, do everything you ask, don't talk back, everything like that. If you had a squad full of those, as great as that sounds as a coach, I think in the end you'd be kind of like, all right, where's some like banter? Where's some feedback? Where's exactly. someone telling me to jam my stopwatch up my backside because they don't want to, like <laughs> just some sort of conflict. I think eventually yeah. you do need it. So I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did you I, play any other exactly, sports? I, um, I played, well, I did gymnastics for a little bit and then I got way too tall for that. And my mom was like, <laughs> okay, you have to pick swimming or gymnastics. I did dance for a little bit, but that never ended up working out. So it was, um, it was mainly gymnastics and swimming. And then I, I I didn't do gymnastics for very long at all. And my mom was like, okay, we can't go. Cause I used to go from, from gymnastics practice straight to swim practice. And she obviously had two kids that were doing two different sports in two different age groups. So it was, it was it was too much time difference, I guess. So yeah. um, she was like, "All right, you have to pick one." And thank God I picked swimming because 
God knows where I would be if I <laughs> chose gymnastics. I know. People think swimming uh, requires a lot of time and energy, and it does. Don't get me wrong, it does. But yeah. gymnastics is just on another level, that's for sure. <laughs> what about he- heroes and idols, mate? Who did you look up to as you were a young swimmer coming through? Um, so I grew up in America, obviously. So a lot of... A lot of my heroes were obviously on the U.S. team just because at a young age you always – you see them at meets. You see mm. them doing doing uh, autograph stuff. Um, I think backstroke-wise, probably Natalie Coughlin. Yeah. Um, just – I like the way – even when I was older, I loved the way she presented herself on pool deck. Um, even when she was retired swimming, she did uh, like – um commentary and stuff so um also elizabeth beisel which is a little bit closer to home we have uh really good friends of hers that are friends i don't know mutual mutual friends i guess my sister swam with her for a little bit so um i liked her just because she always found the funny in things she's a character if you've ever watched any interviews and been anywhere around her um i think she just again carries yourself i don't really have that many idols about solely what they do in the pool because yeah. anyone can swim fast in the pool it's about how you carry yourself outside of the pool and in interviews and things like that so um i just like the way she was always goofy never really took anything too seriously even at the olympic games when like obviously it was the biggest moment of a lot of people's lives a lot of athletes lives and she just took it with a grain of salt and i think she i just like the way she presented herself for a lot of people, there's usually a moment, might be in training, might be in a meet, could be anywhere, but there's usually a moment where people go, aha, this is, you know, this is what I want to do. This is the road I want to go down. Did you have a moment like that in swimming where you sort of eyed off the Olympics and thought, okay, I want to have a chance at making that? Um, I think um, someone else, like watching someone else, probably watching Maya Dorado in, in 2016, 200 backstroke, um, win gold. Um, I think for myself, um, probably at some, probably, uh, I think it was the summer before the summer of 2017, I went, um, at the, some stupid meet we were in Ohio state, um, university and it was a long course meet and we just went up there just to see like what we could do. And we, we, uh, weren't, weren't shaved or tapered or anything like that. And we just put on some old suits and I went a one and a half second PR in my 200 backstroke, which is my best event. So I think at that moment I, I started thinking about um, like international competition. Cause I never really thought about it after uh, or before that fact. So um, that was my moment where I was like, okay, like I can actually, do this it was it was a big confidence booster for me it was more attainable you could see it was a lot closer to you yeah yeah like the fina a cut was was within reach at that point like going i was 210 mid 210 high and i went 209 mid um in in 2017 so i think that it was it was more of an attainable goal yeah yeah 
And when you're training and say it's a super hard session, what do you do? What do you think about to keep yourself super motivated? I hear this question a lot from younger swimmers because, you know, they're learning how to train and, and you're certainly someone who by this stage has that well in control. So do you think about your goals and those things that you've just mentioned there? Or do you just sort of go one step at a time and hit your mark each time and then reset? Yeah, I, um, I think each summer is different in the way they approach things. Like I've swam with, with 30 girls and 30 boys for four years at uni. So you come across every single different aspect, whether it's you like when the coach yells at you and tells you you're not doing it hard enough or like the encouragement and stuff. And I think for me, for personal, um, gain, I guess, um, I'm way more of a short-term person. So I like to think of what can I do in this set to make me better. If I think about long-term goals, I get a, a little bit more flustered in, okay, well, I'm not hitting these times. There's no yeah. way I'm going to go this time in a year's time when, when you can only control what you can control at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, I'm definitely someone that learns every day. I, I, I don't always have, <laughs> I'll be completely honest. I don't always have a lot of the mental, the mental part of swimming is something that I still struggle with every day. I have been told I'm talented and, and, and that sort of thing. But when you get in the water and it's just you and you and a black line, it's incredibly difficult to, to mentally figure out what works for you. And I think that, um, for me, it's, it's just, okay. When you get out of the pool, you have to know you gave 100% no matter what set you were doing, whether it's threshold or VO2 or um, just a recovery. Like, know that you did everything in your power that day. Mm. And in a year's time, everything will pan out the way that it's supposed to. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think about the future. I think about just today, even like in a week's time, like thinking about, oh my gosh, Thursday's practice is going to be so long. Like... <laughs> Like you can't think about that. And I still have troubles with that. Like I, I like to think ahead, but I have to like back myself up a little bit. Absolutely. I think uh, this period of time has been similar for everyone at the moment in terms of what you just said there, control what you can control and don't worry too much. I mean, this is away from swimming. Yeah. But everyone's sitting around at the moment going, Oh, when's life going back to normal? When's this? But you know, to your point, I think if everyone just, you know, cracks on with each day at a time and do the things that you need to do on that day, your mind will start to ease a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Mate, you trained at Kentucky University over in the US, as I said, for four, almost five years, I think. What was that experience yeah. like? Because a lot of Aussie and Kiwi listeners, you know, might not understand those sorts of things, especially, um, you know, training at college, as you said, massive teams. It's, it's a completely different environment. Give us a little insight. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something I wouldn't trade for the world. I mean, I, I went to school with, with 30 girls for four years and, and you got to meet so many new people and I got an education at a pristine university. And, um, I think that I grew so much in those four years more than I could have ever imagined from 18 to 22 years old. So, um, yeah, I've made lifelong friends. Um, and was definitely, definitely wasn't the easiest. A lot of blood, sweat, and a lot of tears <laughs> went into uh, me swimming at, at uh, university. But um, I think all in all, I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult and it's a 
it's a change of pace, but it's also something that's a huge learning curve, especially for me. Um, I learned so much about what I could handle, what I couldn't handle, the way I like to be coached, um, and, and the, the limits that I could take myself to, um, which I think anyone from the age of 18 to 22, you're, you're changing so much in that time. I think Mm. it was a great time for me to go and do that. And yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. Mate, 2018 Pampax. Actually, stop there. Let's go back because I forgot about asking. What did you do at university? What were you studying? <laughs> I was. Uh, I graduated with a degree in marketing and international business. Very nice. Do you have an eye? Yep. I mean, you're still only young, but do you have an eye on the future and where you want to go with that? Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Obviously, sports is is something that. I'm obviously passionate about, I get, I, I understand the realm of that. Mm. Um, I think that over the next year, I'll probably figure out what specific things I want to do. Um, I'm also big into like real estate. So getting my real estate license would be a, an opportunity, I guess, but it just depends on, on how this year turns out and the futures after that with swimming and everything. Mm. Um, whether I like what I, what I go into, but yeah. 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 Mate, 2018 Pampax, you made your debut on the, the New Zealand team in Tokyo. What was that experience like? Firstly to go to the Pampax, but then obviously, you know, starting in, in the new team. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I, I got on a plane to a country that didn't speak English, not having met a single person on the team, none of the coaches, none of the staff, none of the swimmers, anything. So it was a big, big learning experience for me, um, knowing that I was, that's something I wanted to do. And, and um, being able to do that and give, being given the opportunity was amazing. I mean, like they brought me in with open arms. They were, they were just like the, my uni, like uni boys. There are only three of them there. I was the only girl. And, um, yeah, they were like, Oh, sorry. We're all, we're just like messing around. I was like, listen, I, I swam with 30 boys for four years. I know what banter is. I'm good. I, I can hold, I can hold up my end of the deal. So yeah, I think it was a great experience. So I mean, like the facility being that being my first international meet, it was it was amazing. What's your favorite race to um, to you know to get in and, and challenge yourself at, and why? Hmm, that's a hard question. Um, I think probably challenging myself probably would be the five hundred yard freestyle. Um, which is a, which is a collegiate race. Um, just because my, my first year at uni, I really, really despised it. Like I really hated the 500 free and, uh, all the way up until junior year still wasn't my favorite race, probably still isn't my favorite race, but, um, my senior year, I really focused on my freestyle a lot because, you know, university is a 100% team sport or team atmosphere. Like you do whatever the team needs you to do. And, and they didn't have a five, we didn't have a 500 freestyler. So, uh, I had to figure out my 500 freestyle for the fourth year in a row. And, um, I actually, 
uh, had my best 500 free ever in my whole life. Um, I trained for it all year. And so I think that I was incredibly proud of myself for doing that because I never really liked the event. Um, but yeah, I think the 500 free mentally, uh, probably the toughest, but also the most rewarding. You touched on something really interesting there in terms of, you know, college swimming being very much a team sport. Um, how helpful was that coming into a team like, you know, the New Zealand swim team, because you knew what being part of a team was all about. Yeah, it's, it is actually like mind boggling. Like you, no one that hasn't been in a collegiate athletics program doesn't know what it's like from the inside everyone always sees the 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 good and the bad but they never see like the ugly that goes into into collegiate athletics and I think that being a being a team like that you grow so much as a team and I mean I would die for for those girls that I swam with for four years like there is not a single person on that team that I wouldn't do anything for. And yes, obviously like we have our struggles and, and, and the drama of 35 girls, there's going to be some obviously, Mm. but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's amazing how, how 18 to 22 year olds can all come together for, for, for a common goal in, in whatever sport you're doing. And I think that helped me so much, um, going to the international stage where I didn't know a lot of people. I knew my strengths and what I was good at in like the leadership role and helping people out when they're down. That's like one of my, my biggest um, achievements, I guess you could say was like figuring out someone's facial expression or what they're thinking and, and, and helping them through because there's been multiple times that I've been in that situation. And one of the girls from Kentucky has always pulled me up. So um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing to witness over four years. And you don't really like understand it until you're sitting there at 22 years old, your last meet ever. And you're like, wow, like think about when we, four years ago, like how much we've grown as a team and things like that. I mean, it's amazing. Mm. Hey, talk to me about pre-race rituals. Do you have any, is there anything you need to do before you go into race? Um, (laughs) The only thing I, I don't really have a lot. I'm not really that superstitious, but I listen to um, Carrie Hilson's Pretty Girl Rock <laughs> from like, I think she came out in 2010 or something. Yeah. Um, I listen to that before I go to the ready room or in the ready room, I guess. But um, I don't really have that many, that many superstitions. I just try to stay as calm as possible. Um, which is difficult at times, but yeah, I try to keep my headphones in, try to, try to stay in my own lane, you know, not anything too, too weird. What about the night before a big meet? Do you have a, a pre-race meal that you like to have? Oh, um, probably, probably like the normal, like pasta, yeah. um, the carb load. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to eat too much cause it helps it, I don't know. It just, I get really nervous. I get way more nervous like the night before. Like I have a really hard time going to sleep. Mm. Um, and like the morning of I'm like real nervous, but usually like when I get behind the blocks, not really that nervous. So I really don't have that many superstitions. I'll do whatever. I'm, I'm pretty easy. 
<laughs> easy going. So, um, yeah, not too many. All right, let's get back to training then for a little bit. What are some of your favorite sessions to do? Not so much tougher set because that's sort of a different question. Sometimes your favorites are, are just, you know, I've had people say recovery, so you certainly can say that if you want to. Uh, I mean, recovery is always <laughs> nice. That's what I had this morning. It's always nice to have that. Um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Um, uh, I have like, we do this 30-50 set. Um, at, where we did it at uni and we do it at coast too. We haven't done it yet though, but, um, 30 fifties long course meters on 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, just race pace all out as fast as you can go for 30 fifties. Um, that's always nice, especially in a, in a team atmosphere. Cause you get a lot of time on the wall and you got you hear a lot of banter between, mm -hmm. between people, um, whether someone's having a, a really great day or someone's not having that good of a day. Um, you can always, always find the positives in that. I really, really liked that set. Um, that's about the only one I can really think of. Um, I just, I like 200 pace backstroke sets. Um, fifties backstroke pace, mm. the usual. <laughs> hey, talk to me about the decision to, to head to New Zealand and train there and get ready for the 2021 Olympics couldn't have been easy as you said you, you built some great bonds you were living there you were over in you know America for your whole life mustn't have been yeah. an easy decision it yeah I mean it was it was a hard decision but then not that hard of a decision <laughs> if if you can take both sides of it I guess um so I just graduated uni in May so I was pretty much done with my obligations at Kentucky um I was I was thinking about staying there for obviously the three months leading up to Tokyo. Cause why would you switch yeah. training three months before the games? Um, but then when it got postponed, I started thinking about, okay, well, what can I do? Where can I go? Um, obviously Kentucky's a great school and I would have stayed there, but I got the opportunity to come here. Um, because I talked to, um, Gary Francis, and um by michael weston who coaches at coast um and i think i just had to jump at it i never lived here before um i i've obviously been back here but i'd never um trained here and i think it was an opportunity that i i couldn't really pass up i've always wanted to come back here but i've always had obligations um to things i couldn't leave behind in the states so i think that um being 22 years old and and be, being given the opportunity to come over here and train for a year um, with a different atmosphere, different um, way of life, I guess. Um, it, was, it was a change of pace that I really needed. I was, I was a little bit, if you want to say, like burnt out kind mm -hmm. of-ish um, from four years at university. So it was definitely something, something new for me to come over here and actually – find what I loved in swimming again. And I think that having the, having the four month, three months off from uh, COVID really helped me put that into perspective. Um, even though I'd already like decided to come over here before that. So um, yeah, I think it was, it was a hard decision, but then it was something that I couldn't say no to um, if that makes sense. So yeah, it, it's, I would say it was the right decision. So yeah. <laughs> 
You mentioned there being burnout. What what were you sort of tired from? Was it the you know the you know obviously there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of competing, there's a lot of being at your best for you know for a long period of time. Was it just that you'd you'd been doing it for so long, you just needed some sort of a yeah. break? What was it? Yeah, I think that over my four years at university, I so I was doing I was taking class full time classes and full time as an athlete. Um, and obviously I wouldn't change any of that, but I think that I kind of, I took a little bit of a wrong perspective, I guess, in, in collegiate athletics as like a sophomore, junior, my sophomore second and third year at university was incredibly tough for me. I, I, I didn't like swimming. I hated coming to practice every day. Um, I never really thought of myself as a good swimmer whatever just like the 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 things that that you see that you don't see that are behind the scenes of of an elite athlete I mean I think everyone goes through it and I think that making it a thing that people can talk about is super important I think that if I had that when I was 19 years old it would be a different story Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think my senior year I I really it, I put it into perspective a little bit. Um, my best friend, I guess you could say, we lived together for, for two years, Asia Site, who's also a backstroker at Kentucky. Um, we both kind of had the same problem a little bit. Um, and and we, we talked about it. And I think we were both captains at the time. And it was like, okay, well, if we're not enjoying it, how are we supposed to, to, to lead these, these 30 girls in, in, their collegiate career. Like Mm. if we don't want to be there, if we're crying every day at practice and being negative and whatever. So I think my senior year, especially, um, I, I took a different perspective and I think it, it paid off a lot more because that was my, my, by far my best year at college. Um, and I think that it was really good for me to just come into practice. I think my biggest issue was, um, coming in and always thinking I had to be perfect at everything that I was doing and going fast all the time. And I had, um, or I have major shoulder, uh, left shoulder problems. So I was in pain a lot for, for, for four years, I guess. So, um, yeah, I think that my senior year, I just, I just said, okay, well I could come in and, and, and be nervous about every single practice and, and nervous I wasn't going to perform or I could come in and say, I'm going to give my effort that I've given for three years. Obviously mm-hmm. I never left anything on the table, but it was, it was just different aspect of it. Like coming in and being like, Hey, I'm just going to try my best and that's all I can do. And I think I got a lot of that from my sister. Um, she, she swam at Kentucky for one year with me she's older than I am. She graduated in, uh, 2017. And, um, she said the same thing. She was like, you can only do as, as good as you can do. So that's all you, as an athlete, you think you overcomplicate things a lot, but mm. when you come in there and you have a practice for it and the best is that's all you can give. So, um, yeah, I think the, pers- the different perspective really, really changed. Yeah. Hey, you train uh, Coast Swim Club now. How easy was the transition from, from a college system? It's, it, it has actually not been as big of a transition as I, as I thought. I mean, um, no matter if you're here or in Australia, in Canada, 
any of the Western countries, United States, whatever you want to call it, everyone is, is just the same in athletics. I mean, the boys banter between each other, the girls banter between the boys. And it's just a, it's a great environment. I mean, um, they opened me with, they welcomed me with open arms. I mean, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was different coming over here, obviously, because I didn't really know anyone from post, but um, they've all been super nice, super um, entertaining at practices and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's been great. Hey, talk to me about some of the coaches you've had and how they've helped shape your career. Yeah, I think um, probably the biggest person that shaped my career um, was when I was really little, probably, I don't even know, 10 to 13 maybe, was um, Tim Conley at um, Middle Tiger in South Carolina where I swam um, year-round swimming, as they call it over there. But um, he really, he helped me figure out that I was talented because I always never really believed in myself. Even to this day, I'll, I'll, everyone always has doubts. But um, he really, he, he told me he was very encouraging he was a hard coach, hard on me, uh, just because he knew that I, I had I had something and something that I didn't know that I had. Um, he he treated me like a kid because I was a kid, but also treat told me that I was I was destined to do something. So um, he's always 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 had a lot of laughs, a lot of jokes, um, things like that. He was just a, a great all round person. Um, so he really shaped me in, in the, the confidence side of it. Um, and, and gave me that great base as even an 11, 12, 13 year old. I mean, um, he did all the right things and, and, uh, really made me like fall in love with the sport. Um, I think that probably the other person would be, um, my college coaches, all of them, um, Lars Jorgensen, Allison Reed um all of them there michael camper um macklin simpson i mean they they really they have a presence on pool deck that that is unmatched and i think that uh they have a good balance between each other lars is kind of a, a hard head and, and wants to, he was an olympian in the 80s and and he's he's real old school like all right let's go 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 like but then there's the younger guys who are the assistant coaches that that bring the fun to it and, and and have the jokes and the laughs and, and things like that. I mean, they all get down to business, but I think that they taught me in a, a lot in my 18 and 22 two year span of, of, of the confidence again. And, and knowing that, that it's a, they, they, they had a big team atmosphere, I guess. So um, obviously at college. So um, they honed in on that a lot and how, uh, it's always, always the team above you. Mm. And that's something that I'll take with me forever. Talk to me about qualifying for the New Zealand team last year in the world champs. You were there the hundred, 200 back after this decision you'd made to, you know, change, obviously we know 2018, you went to Pampax, but must've been a satisfying feeling to, to see the fruits of that decision starting to pay off and you really starting to, you know, make your mark and go to these big championships. Yeah, I think uh, when I qualified for World Champs um, at New Zealand Opens last year, it was 
it was a little surreal to me because I never, I never really pictured myself as, even when I was little, as, as an international swimmer. Um, I always watched it on TV, always um, followed it, but never really thought I could, I was going to be there. So even being able to give, be given that opportunity, I mean, it shows that, that anyone can do it. I mean, like I, my biggest thing as being an athlete with a platform would be to, to encourage little kids to, to, you know, if you have a dream and you want to do it, no matter what it is, if it's athletics, if it's arts, if it's science, whatever you want to do, someone has to be the one to do it. So why not give it your all? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And you gave it your best shot and you'll learn more things about yourself than you'll ever know. So I think for me, making, making world champs and then making the Olympic team uh, at world champs, making the qualifying time, it, it really uh, put it in perspective. I kind of had a surreal moment at world champs after I, I made the um, being an A cut for, for Tokyo. I think it was more like, okay, I had done all these things and I finally like achieved what I wanted to achieve. And I had to take a step back and, and realize that like I did that. Mm. And as an athlete, that's, that's incredibly hard you always want to like go all right what's next what's next what's next but sometimes you just have to take a step back absolutely i think even as coaches that's hard to do sometimes you know you get to a meet everyone is successful or not successful whatever it may be but you never sort of dwell in it you're always okay what's next and you're planning ahead so 100 exactly i can i can understand that um at the world champs in guangzhou um you know for you know this was sort of your first sort of as you said sort of big international experience how you know calming were the boys and and the other teammates around you with just the banter now obviously you know I've I've spoken to Lewis I've spoken to Zach I've had Dan (laughs) and Matt Stanley I've had a lot of uh, Erica Fairweather's been on as well so there's great banter and immediately even just as an interviewer I sit down and talk to them and I felt comfortable I felt like you know we're just at a pub having a drink and yeah exactly so I can imagine, you know, going into your first sort of major international meet like that, that would have been nice to have that sort of calming influence around you. Yeah, I mean, those boys are a crack up. Like, honestly, you could not go five minutes without one of them saying something to the other about God knows what. Um, it is always a good laugh. I mean, especially when you're having like a hard session, we were all like, obviously kind of in our, in our, at training uh, camp in Kobe um, where we staged before um, world champs, we were all obviously in like our specific uh, sessions, Mm -hmm. but you could always tell like some people would have recovery. Some, while some people were doing a really, really hard set and, and you would always see the, the, them always cheer for each other and, and make stupid comments and, and things like that. So when we got to, to the meet, I think, um, that obviously carried on. Um, everyone also had whatever job they were supposed to do that day. But, um, yeah, I think that, uh, me going to uni and, and swimming with 30 boys is the exact same thing. It was, it's, I'm way more, I'm way more friends with, with boys than, than girls just cause I, I don't know, I get along with them better. They're less dramatic, I guess. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it's always it's always a good laugh. They they calmed a lot of people down, especially uh, 
before uh, the races, you you are in your little uh, New Zealand nook, I guess, before you go to the to the staging room. Um, they're always very encouraging, very positive. Um, do you need anything? Do you need some water? Do you need a snack? Whatever. Or if or if uh, you get told to leave, get left alone. Like they'll leave you alone. They won't talk to you. Everyone yeah. has their different um, ways of going about it. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a breath of fresh air when you're in an environment like that. Um, definitely intimidating because everyone is always on their A game, you know, and uh, you see lots of people walking around pool deck that, that you don't usually see. So um, being able to, to have that, it's, it's amazing. Did you cop any stick from your teammates about your accent? Now this usually happens the other oh way around with the gosh. Kiwis training in Australia and then they cop stick for having a Kiwi accent. But did you, did it happen to you the other way around? Absolutely. Anyone, <laughs> any of them that are listening to this right now, I guarantee you I'll get a message about it. I don't know, but yes, they, it, even at Pampax when it was um, Dan and Lewis, I mean, Every single day, every single day I got on pool deck, I'd be like, hey, and they'd be like, hey, <laughs> like in the American accent and things like that. And they would, I don't know. It's, yes, I did get, did get a lot of banter from them, from mm. that every single day, every single session, <laughs> even like different swimming things. Like I would say practice instead of training, or we would do this instead of this. And they'd yeah. be like, you can't say that anymore. Blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hoot. Definitely. Now, results-wise, you know, 101.5 in the 100, and you made the semifinal in the 200 back, and then you went 210.1. Um, outside your PBs, I think just, how did you yeah. feel about your results at that meet? How did you feel you went? Um, so I'm primarily a 200 back shirker. I, like, never swim the 100, rarely. Um, so I was actually pretty happy with my 100 back shirk. It was, it was, it was an event that I got put in just to, to get the jitters away. It was at the beginning of the meet where the 200 backstroke was on second to last night. So, um, yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed in my 200, um, just because I wanted to, to, to go 209 low, 208 high. And, and I obviously didn't do that, but, and I, my goal was to make the final and I was just outside of that. But, um, yeah, I think I was gone for about three months from, from Kentucky at that point. So I didn't have, um, a lot of coaches, like my actual coach, I was outside my comfort zone a lot. I, I swam a week before New Zealand opens in Auckland by myself. And then I swam New Zealand opens. And then I, I flew to the gold coast, um, where, where some of my dad's family is, um, and trained there for four weeks instead of going all the way back to the States and then all the way back to Tokyo or to, um, to Kobe. So I think that, uh, it was definitely, definitely interesting. I think that I learned a lot from practicing by myself. Cause I've, I don't think any athlete is necessarily that good at it. Cause you always, I always like, I'm a big team person. I like to have people around me. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it could have gone better, but it's also a learning, a learning curve having, having what 40,000 people there in, in the, in the stands was, um, definitely intimidating. The pool was intimidating, but, um, I think I, I collectively was proud of myself just cause I, I was confident in what I, what I planned and, and my race strategy and stuff. It just didn't happen to work out, but you know, 
and stuff happens, you know, you just, mm-hmm. you just take it back and learn and, and hopefully next year it'll turn out differently. <laughs> well, you mentioned their learning experiences. What did you take away from Guangzhou that you'll look forward to in, in Tokyo 2021, maybe in terms of handling those nerves of the massive stadium and the big crowd, or it might even just be, you know, executing your rate plan, race plan. Sorry. Maybe you got excited and went a bit too hard in the first 50. I don't know. I, I didn't yeah. actually see it, but yeah. what did you take away from it? Yeah, I think uh, I think the most the biggest thing I learned from that was um, the confidence in myself uh, that I was standing next to to eight or seven girls that that obviously were were the best in their country, mm-hmm. um, and and knowing that I was there for a reason and that I got put in this position that I can race these girls just as much as anyone else. Um, I, I think that, that going, growing up in the States and being around a lot of the Olympians, a lot of the people that are training there really helped me, really helped me in that, um, aspect of it, not being that phased by who was there and, and what was, what was going on. I think, um, NCAAs is a huge, a huge deal. Lots of people, thousands of people. So I think the crowd wasn't, wasn't too big of a, a shift. Obviously, like, I think it was more in my head that I was at world championships. I was doing this. So I think I got a little bit, um, in my head more than, more than I should have. Um, which is also something that you learn. It's an easy thing to fix, um, over, over two years at this point. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the physical part of it wasn't, wasn't too bad. I think it was, it was mostly mental. Mm. But I like to finish all our chats with some less serious questions, which I think, you know, I don't know if you've heard a couple of the podcasts, but you know, we do some rapid fire stuff just to see what you like at home, what you listen to, what you watch, all that sort of stuff. So always sure. whatever first comes to your mind, don't be like nervous about it or like some people get perfect offensive about their choices in music and things like <laughs> that, especially if it's not the popular music. I think I'll it's be, a safe space. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so what about favorite music? What do you like to listen to? Um, country. <laughs> really? You do? Yeah. Typical, typical yeah. American Southern girl that's now living in New Zealand. Love yeah. country music. I'm a big Drake fan too, which is yeah. not country at all, but yeah, country and then a little bit of rap R&B. No, that's good. I think it's good to appreciate all sorts of music. So yes, yes. I'm with you. What about <laughs> um, favorite movies? What do you like to watch? Oh, I'm a big rom-com fan. Uh, Oh my gosh. Any, any of the notebook, uh, Nicholas Sparks, anything. Mm. Uh, yeah. I always try and somehow get out of that. If my wife tries to put something <laughs> like that on, like somehow I just text a mate to say, call me about something important or just yeah. somehow to get out of it. I love rom <laughs> What about your favorite meals? We've talked about what you like to have before a big meet, but you know, what do you like to have say on a Sunday, Sunday night? Oh, I'm, I'm not your typical eat healthy person. I try really hard as an athlete. I think uh, fish and chips being over here, finally getting some good <laughs> fish and chips. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on a Sunday, probably fish and chips and some Whitaker's chocolate. Not- <laughs> okay. 
What about uh, a shout out to uh, Matt Stanley, by the way, uh, and his cuzzy pies. So oh yeah, get around the pies at the moment. He's um, doing a great job on the Gold Coast. Yes. I don't know if they're over in New Zealand yet, but I think he's looking into making that happen. So when it does, yeah. mate, get into the cuzzy yeah. pies because I've heard yeah. some great things. What about favorite countries you visited? Ooh. Um, I, I loved Tokyo when I went there for, for Pan Packs. Um, I think my top three would be, um, Auckland, Brisbane and Tokyo. Those are cities, not countries, but yeah. those are the, I'm a big city girl. So, yeah. <laughs> what about favorite TV shows to binge watch? Ooh, right now I'm, I'm binge watching Vampire Diaries. <laughs> I'm on season six and I'm a big fan of uh, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Is that finished yet? Do they finish it or yeah. what? Uh, I don't think so. I think they're on like season, like what, seven, eight, I don't know, 17 maybe. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it's been going on for a long time. I just, I had a feeling, I remember hearing them saying like it was the season for like the series finale, like they were, yeah. or season, sorry, like they were going to finish it off. Yeah. And then COVID hit. So I don't know if they actually yeah. <laughs> might still be going. I think it's about time. I think yeah. it's about time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about, are you into TikToks? What about, what do you like to watch on TikTok? Oh, I, I'm not a big TikTok person. I just started watching them. Um, uh, big Sway House fan. Okay. Those boys. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, in, not in any of like the dances, but... Um, yeah, I just like, I don't even think I have an, I don't even have an account. I just watch like the for you page, like the yeah. explore page, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I, when I'm bored, I'm a big, I like, um, like YouTube channels. No, I'm not big into the TikTok. I think it's a little outside my age range. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about favorite quotes? You've had a few coaches now you've been in a few teams. Are there any, is there any quotes that sort of stick with you that you, you sort of live by? Um, not that I know of just, I, this is so, so bare minimum, but, um, I think just like trust the process in, yeah. in anything that you're doing, um, no matter if it's athletics or anything, like that's something that I, I, I strive for every day. I'm really, really not that great at it. Mm -hmm. I like to know what's happening and know the things that are going to happen and, and you don't get that in athletics. So, um, just trust what you're doing and, and know that you're doing the right thing and, and trust the people around you that know th things better than you. Mm. Um, cause as an athlete, as a, as a business person, as anyone in any community, the moment you think you can't learn from, from someone else is a moment that, that you're just going to be stuck. Just know that you can always, always take criticism and, and know how to take the criticism well. Um, yeah, I think just, just trusting, trusting your gut and trusting your instincts. Absolutely, mate. I think that is perfect advice. Uh, and if any of my swimmers are listening, by the way, um, they would have noticed straight away when you said trust the process because that's what I say to them all the time <laughs> whenever they've got something to say back to, you know, my race plan or, you know, whatever yeah. we're doing in training that day. Um, which doesn't yeah. always go down well. If I say yeah. the word aerobic session today, they're like, Oh <laughs> God, I say just yeah, I think, I think even, even when it's, when, it, when you're, when you're having like a really bad day at training or something, just know that like not every day is going to be great. And I have a real hard time with that as well. Cause I think that one day can like ruin your whole, 
four-year plan, which mm. it really, in, in retrospect, doesn't really affect that much. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's I always tell myself that when I'm having a bad day or like my shoulder really hurts or, or things like that. Just trust what you're doing. Try your best. You'll get out, get some food, go to sleep, new day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, mate, when we redo this interview in, say, two or three years' time, what accomplishments will I be adding at the top? What would you like me to be adding at the top? So already, you know, Pam Park's been to world champs. Ooh, what would um, you like me to be adding? I there? think long-term probably Olympic finalist um, is obviously my goal in, in uh, 2021 at this point. Um, I don't really, I don't really keep a lot of, of, of goals that are like, you can, whatever, third place, second place, whatever time standards or things like that. A lot of mine are, are more mental and, and, and just trying to, to find my way in, Mm. in things and just let things happen the way they want to. Obviously I have things in the back of my head. I'd love to go. 208 low in the 200 backstroke, which hopefully will be Olympic final. Um, I think just just to have fun, just put have fun at the top. <laughs> find my find what I love in swimming again. <laughs> Not anything too too drastic, other yeah. than those two things. Man, I think that's perfect to uh, to put there. Um, and thank you. I think it's a great chance to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on for a chat. As I said, I know you're, you're getting back into training now and, and, you know, life's not as, as easy as it was. I've said this a few times, but it was easy to get people on the podcast when uh, everyone was in quarantine because no one had <laughs> anything else to do. So everyone's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll do it. It is a lot harder now to, um, you know, to commit to, to giving time when, when you've got a lot of other stuff going on. So I definitely appreciate it. Um, and as I've said this before as well, and I do genuinely mean it, I hope the listeners get behind, um, you know, you guys in, in Team New Zealand, whether you're listening from New Zealand or you're listening from Australia, because I, I genuinely think you guys are doing a phenomenal job at the moment. Swimming in New Zealand is definitely coming back to the forefront with swimmers like yourself, Lewis Clairbert, Erica Fairweather, Zach Reed, um, Michael Pickett as well, um, you know, obviously um, so many more. But, uh, yeah, I love what you guys yeah. are doing. Um, keep it up and hopefully we can keep in touch and get you on again down the track. But until then, thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. Don't forget to head over and check out our YouTube page to catch all the fantastic interviews you may have missed from Season 3 so far. Go there, like and subscribe to stay up to date with all the latest news from the podcast. Keep your podcast fixed right here this week as we still have heaps more stars coming your way and you will not want to miss a minute of the action. Until tomorrow though, guys, have a great day. Remember to smile and laugh, please. And it's bye for now. I just want to be with you.